Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which of course is Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Ern Adams and I are recording this week's episode on Thursday, December 9th, 2021. Aaron, did you see all of the sequel news this past week? Inside of seven days, we learned that there's a Venom 3 on its way, a Shang-Chi and the Legend of the uh, Ten Rings 2, and a Into the Spider-Verse, well, actually, an Across the Spider-Verse 2 and 3. What did we make of this news, Aaron? Is this a Christmas miracle or two giant corporations taking advantage of the spotlight that's now being thrown on uh, Spider-Man No Way Home? Which, by the way, uh, begins its Thursday night preview screenings one week from tonight, December 16th, uh, before officially arriving in theaters on Friday, December 17th. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's a Christmas miracle. Yes, they're taking advantage of the spotlight and uh, other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised mm-hmm. a little bit by... The part one, the end of the Spider-Verse or across the Spider-Verse trailer. Mm -hmm. My wife was playing the trailer on her iPhone. She had seen something and clicked it. And within two musical notes, I was like, Spider-Verse? What? Because I recognize that music. And uh, I was expecting it to be from the first movie. And then she's like, oh, no, this is the trailer for the next. And then we watched it together, and it was a joy. And then it had Spider-Man 2099 with Oscar Isaac as the voice. So uh, just in love right there. Mm -hmm. And then to move to the very end where it slaps a part one on the end, and I thought that was just gratuitous. That was like sending a, a, a picture of your private parts. It was just not necessary. I didn't ask for that. Shame on you, Sony. Well, <laughs> I, you wonder if that's a realization of we have to manage expectations right from the get-go. Because was it during production of Infinity War and Endgame that they, they broke the news that they were going to split it in two? Or was that before they began production? I don't know. I just think that... Sony is like pushing all of their chips on on the Spider-Man red color mm-hmm. when it comes to their movies and that's fine that's good mm-hmm. if it's making money you know smart business to do things that make money mm-hmm. so no i i think that they are are incubating eggs in baskets <laughs> and it's one giant spider basket and uh, they're going all in and that's yeah like i said that's fine and good there's things where, wasn't it uh, Lord and Miller had said that each individual Spider-Verse that they visit will have its own distinct look and and style? It, that, 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 is, oh. that is what, that, you know, they how got it this weekend. How, so. Yeah, how can you not be angry about that? Mm-hmm. That's just like, okay, fine, if you're going to give me two movies. Mm-hmm. And they are working on them simultaneously mm-hmm. from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So it means that we're not going to have the Dune delay. Mm-hmm. Did it make money? Should we start writing a second script, Bob? What do you say? I don't know. Are the bean counters done with with the beans and the counting? I think they've given us the thumbs up. Okay, go ahead. How many months later is it since it came out? Yeah. So I'm glad that, uh, yeah, if if you're going to do a sequel and you know you're going to do a sequel, why not? Okay, we'll tell you what, folks. We'll we'll do a a slightly deeper dive on the second half of today's show about 
Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, uh, but also uh, Episode 4 of Hawkeye, which just dropped yesterday. Uh, before we do that, uh, we need to get to the news, and the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So we were talking about how a lot of this news has been coming out of the Spider-Man No Way Home junket, which was held just this past weekend. By the way, uh, Drew Taylor says that, A, contrary to popular reports, this John Watts film is complete. They are not pulling a Star Trek, the motion picture, you know, and working on that film's effects right up until those reels get thrown into their film cans. And does anybody actually transport film in cans anymore or is in the age of digital screening is is it does it arrive as a disc from fedex christopher nolan would come slap you upside your head right now mm. if he heard you say them words he is though probably the last one that does have cans uh, but uh yeah there's a few there's a few directors out there that still truly believe in the power of celluloid okay. all right that does my heart good. On the other hand, remembering having to carry those very heavy film cans up from the lobby to the projection booth and, and feeling like I'd be able to scratch my ankles without bending over. Uh, you know, if, if they switched to digital, I, I would be happy. Anyway, Drew was saying, at the junket, they only showed them 35 minutes, roughly, of Spider-Man No Way Home. But again, that was with an eye toward preserving the sequel's secrets. Uh, whereas on the other hand, Kevin Feige was in a very sharing mood. I mean, did you see the interview he did with Cinema Blend uh, back on Sunday of this past week where he, he talked about how if you see Daredevil in upcoming things, Charlie Cox, yes, he would be the actor playing Daredevil. Uh, and just to remind folks, Charlie Cox is the gentleman who played Matt Murdock and Daredevil in Marvel's Daredevil TV series. Where we see Cox as Daredevil, how we see that, when we see that, remains to be seen. We all want him to be the lawyer for Spider-Man's court appearance, right? I mean, that's what we're all hoping well, ends up that, happening. that's where kind of the smart money is, isn't it? It should be. and I mean, in all rights, or at least someone from that lawyer universe, because there are other characters. Carrie Ann Moss mm -hmm. plays uh, a, a legal person in that show, so mm -hmm. she's welcome to show up as well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, we really hope to see... Matt Murdock, if he can't be in full costume, at least put him in a suit and tie and have him defend Peter Parker for a red hot minute so we can have that that team up for just a moment. Well, now, but speaking of which, though, on, on a previous edition of, of Marvelous Disney, I remember you going off on, they were talking about how uh, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock and Venom could potentially show up in No Way Home. And you went to the effect of, look, we, we saw him for a tenth of a second in the end credit sequence of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, where Venom licks the screen while Tom Holland is is on there. Uh, mm. And that, you know, it's like, this is making a mountain out of a molehill. But again, here, this, this is Kevin Feige speaking this past weekend about this issue. If you look at the obvious comic book, uh, comic connotations between Venom and Spider-Man, it is, it is inherent. So the minute that Sony made its Venom movie and it worked out as well as it did, and Tom Hardy be, became iconic as he has become as Venom, the obvious question is then, well, how do we start to merge them? 
And um, Feige went on to say, I, I think if we've learned anything over the years, and particularly just the deal between Disney and Sony to do these films or movies together, that almost anything is possible if enough people believe in it and have a passion for it. Kicking off with Peter Parker's identity being revealed at the end of Far From Home, by the way, spoiler, if you haven't seen that movie, immediately set us on a course for things we've never seen before in a Spider-Man movie. And that's the fun of making movies, to do things that people haven't seen before. And in the MCU, there are lots of, there are ways that lots of amazing things can happen. And just to sort of, again, slide us right back into talking about No Way Home. And, and Doctor Strange would be a good conduit for that. Feige goes on to describe how challenging it was uh, to merge the MCU with Spunk, which, again, Aaron's favorite word, Sony Pictures' universe of Marvel characters. And when you merge Spump with MCU, you get Spunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I feel like I need to get out the wet pipes. Uh, anyway, uh, Feige goes on to say that, that there's a lot of coordination. If you, you And if you don't know all the coordination yet, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. But yes, between Sony and Marvel and the Venom team and the No Way Home team, we worked together on it. So as long as we're talking of all things Venom, uh, we have an update from producer Amy Pascal, who these days is in charge of everything Spider-Man related over at Sony. She got asked as part of this past weekend's junket about a third film in this Columbia Pictures produced franchise. And she told a reporter from Collider that, look, we are in the planning stages right now, but what we are focused on is getting everyone to come and see No Way Home. So, I mean, I, I, again, I know there's sort of a snake eating its tail aspect to all of this right now because it's sort of like every conversation that anybody at Marvel or Sony was having over the past weekend was like, by the way, you're going to go see Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home because it looks pretty amazing. So what do you make of all this, Aaron? Yeah, it's it's very similar to what I had said before. They've put all of their their chips on a Spider-Man red mm -hmm. on this roulette wheel. And, you know, Venom made money. So if it's going to make money, especially in the time of COVID, and it still makes money, then they have absolutely no reason to slow down in their spunk making. So, I mean, this is a, a green lights on all indicators for them right now to keep going forward. There's nothing that's even hinting at yellow or red. So why not? Can you talk about... The poster that somebody shared with you in regard to expectations going into uh, No Way Home? Oh, yeah. And we'll give thanks to uh, StevenJD82 sent this along and uh, said, boy, I hope Spider-Man No Way Home lives up to my expectations. And then there was a photograph labeled my expectations. <laughs> and in my expectations, we've got the Spider-Man the primary one. Mm -hmm. We've got the two additional Spider-Men, of course. We've got all of the villains from the MCU and the Spunk universe. We have Optimus Prime <laughs> battling a T-Rex from Jurassic Park. We've got Godzilla versus King Kong. Star Destroyer taking on the Enterprise. Beetlejuice and the clown from It just hanging out. Uh, E.T. and Elliot, the silhouette in front of the moon and all that. I mean, my expectations are so high. <laughs> so high how high are my expectations why cheech and chong have never seen this kind of high my friends they're so high 
but in a good way. Yeah, it, it, it is. But at the same time, I mean, I, as wonderful as that poster sounds, by the way, the other hard reality is coming out of this miserable year that the studios have had and the exhibitors have had and the distributors have had, you know, they, they want a monster hit. They want an event film to come out and make lots and lots and lots of money. And in fact, did you get to see the villains panel that's actually showing on the official Spider-Man uh, YouTube channel right now. Um, I, I don't I don't want to watch it because um, and and I'm going to tell you because I haven't seen it. Okay. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think it is mm-hmm. because everything is shrouded in secrecy. They can't say anything specific. Mm-hmm. So Alfred Molina is going to say something like, uh, "Well, they they allowed me to bring back Doctor Octopus and look at him in a whole new way." A way that you haven't seen from uh, the Spider-Man 2 that we did all those years ago. This is a fresh new take, a bold new direction that uh, I was very surprised by. When I read the script, I was just blown away. This is like the most amazing concept that uh, I've ever been involved with. And, And it's a pleasure to work with... Willem Dafoe, I mean, I, I've admired his work for so many years. Ah, well, thank you very much, Alfred. I've been a fan of yours. And then uh, Jamie Foxx over here, who's also a big fan of your work and the things that you did with Electro in the past and the new things. Oh, the new things that you're going to do that you've already done, that we've seen filmed that are just amazing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's scary about this, and again, you know, Aaron Adams should buy all of our lottery tickets, is is you were technically right. You were just one chair over. Uh, oh, okay. Let me read you what William Defoe said. Um, okay. William Defoe, when asked why he, you know, decided to reprise his role as the Green Goblin in No Way Home, said, "Well, the script was a fun read, and I like the idea that I was returning to something that was the same but different. It's returning to something I did that before with that kind of history, but with a spin on it, and that appealed to me. So it's like definitely going from the from the Aaron Adams script, whereas Alfred Molina again is my spirit animal. I, I just yeah. I get it, that Alfred went in an entirely different direction when he was asked why he decided to come on board this Marvel Studios Columbia Pictures production. He said it was the money. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, that was delightful. On the other hand, J.K. Simmons. What was interesting is is J.K. also went kind of a different way. He talked about how when he found out. That, you know, after all this prep work and, you know, all, all the script had been written and the film had been designed and and then, you know, Sony decided that they weren't, in fact, going to make the fourth Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. That was heartbreaking. I'm not going to lie. I thought, oh, well, that was amazing fun. And I'm glad that I got that opportunity. But But when they came back a couple of years later and said, hey, guess what? We want to revive that gas bag of a character. I, I was thrilled. And, and you know, it's it, it just a question of adapting him a little for 2019 or whenever the first movie came out. I mean, for me, really, he's the same blowhard, only instead of running a newspaper, he now runs a media empire. But, you know, the fact that he was like, oh, I really like doing that. And you took it away. And now I get to do it again. While we're, we're chatting about the Spider-Man version of the universe uh and also talking about high expectations mm-hmm. we're just going to throw out these are these are dots to connect or not to connect mm-hmm. jim i don't know it's it's speculation okay kevin feige's first marvel movie that he produced was uh x-men mm-hmm. way back in the day now spider-man it looks like according to the trailers is going to have its its uh 
finale, its climax, take place possibly on the top of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, the Fox's X-Men had a finale with a lot of magic going on on the top of the Statue of Liberty. No, oh, no. And we see Doctor Strange in, in our trailer most recently talking about, they're coming, and Peter says, who's coming? And he says, all of them. <sighs> Wait a minute. Now, should I connect these dots with a line? Does it draw a picture or do I get a blob of nothing? <sighs> I mean, I'm just thinking, remember remember that moment in Infinity War when Cap is facing off Thanos mm-hmm. and he's beat down and you think that nothing can save the day at that moment. All is lost and all of a sudden he hears in his ear, on your left, and a portal opens up. And what if in the Spider-Man universe, not only do we get Toby and Andrew to help save the day. But what if freaking Wolverine and Cyclops come walking out along with Jean Grey and Professor X and all the dang mutants and Blade, for that matter, Wesley Snipes' version of Blade, stand alongside a Mahershala Ali's version of Blade and two different versions of the Fantastic Four. Jim, what would you do? I know I would poop myself right there. You know, this, in fact, does sound like the film... That should come with the poster you just described, but but it's with the T Rex yeah, uh, from Jurassic Park as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and I don't know if you've seen what's begun bubbling up on YouTube lately, but but there have been some really clever people who have done things like, for example, they'll cut together a scene where it's Al Pacino from Scent of a Woman sitting at a table with Al Pacino from Scarface, and and then Al Pacino from the original Godfather. And, mm. and it's just sort of the notion that we live in a world where the very thing you just described, somebody who, you know, can sit down with their suite of Adobe software and enough. Wait a minute. Yeah. Hold up. I got a thing now all mm. of a sudden that you mention all of this. Didn't you say that Chris Evans was signed to do something in the MCU? Hmm. Hear me out. What if, what if he was brought in to do a little cameo where he gets to meet himself because remember I said we get both fan versions of the Fantastic Four back and Chris Evans used to play Johnny Storm. <laughs> so what if Chris oh. Evans comes back to play that for a minute <laughs> because they need him oh. to to bring back that that moment. Lord. Wouldn't that just be the cat's pajamas? Everyone thinks he's coming back as Cap, oh. but he comes back as a weird alternate oh. Johnny Storm. Oh. I, I need to call Kevin Feige. Do we have his cell number on hand? I, I've got ideas. We can call Amy Pascal and get some changes done real quick, right? We've got time. It's, it's so early in the morning here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd only get voicemail. We, uh, okay. we finish rapping. We'll we'll talk about that. So now, uh, speaking okay. of which, you know, the, looking ahead to what else Marvel got in the works. We have to talk about 2023 and 2024. And uh, just this week, we had Destin Daniel Crichton. He got signed by Marvel. So the director of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, we're not only getting a sequel to that, but he's also entered into a multi-year deal where he'll be developing television projects for Disney Plus as well as Hulu's Onyx Collective, which I guess I'm not quite as familiar with. 
Heralding this new deal, Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige, who's had a really busy week, said that Dustin is an amazing collaborator who brings a unique perspective and skill to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We had a fantastic time working together in the film, and this really does sound like you wrote this, Aaron. Uh, and he has many intriguing ideas for stories to bring to life for Disney+. Plus. So we're thrilled to expand our relationship with him and can't wait to get started in, and of course, that you know, uh, uh, Dustin does the soft kiss back to the effect of working on Shang-Chi with Kevin and the Marvel Studios team was one of the highlights of my life. I can't wait to explore new stories and build new worlds. You know how you and Len have the wheel for Disney yeah. that it's there's another one. It's a lot bigger and a lot longer, but you just spin it and it says just random nice stuff about whoever you've been partnered up with. Like. This TV station I'm now working for is the best TV station I've ever had the opportunity to step foot in. And the management is the greatest management I've ever met, been able to be managed by. And I can't wait to accept a paycheck for the next many years and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Well, uh, kiss the ring there, Pope. Okay. <laughs> I, but, but at the same time, I actually, you know, what I love is for every bit of corporate boilerplate. And that's what that is. All right. You know, You're right. You know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it again when you get the moment of truth. And like uh, Mahershala Ali uh, was on the late show this week. And he, again, he's out doing what you do. I had a new film project. He has Swan Song, which is debuting over an Apple Plus, and Stephen Colbert circles back to Eternals. And what was it like to come in and do that one line, you know, as Blade that nobody knew was Blade? You know, the, what they, you know, Chloe Zhao actually had to come out and say, yes, that is Blade, and that's Mahershala Ali. And and he talked yeah. about the fact that you know when they called him. And told him to come in and do this. It's like I was losing sleep over this one line because 100% of the time when your first day of the film said on any job, you hate it. You know, I, I hate like why I sound. I don't believe myself. And so you're trying to get comfortable with the character. So in this case, to have just one line to build a scene on and then to talk without actually being on camera and understand that you are following Wesley Snipes as Blade. And he followed up with this, an interview with, with Empire Magazine about the same issue. He's like, look, I'm pretty particular about my choices, like most actors, and having to make some choices, you know, this early on brings some real anxiety, but it's, it's only one line, you know, and, and that's supposed to introduce us to this character. By the way, uh, Eternal's producer, Nat Moore, <laughs> to pile on here, talked about they had him on the set. And they had this huge debate about, well, do we show Mahershala on camera? I mean, do we pivot the camera and he's there in the room? Uh, or is it more effective to talk off camera? And then it's like, okay, but if we do that, do we handcuff who's ever doing the Blade movie? Which, by the way, that's uh, Bassam Tariq, uh, who'll be directing that with a script by Stacey O.C. Kufer. Uh, who, Erin, uh, you know her work. Uh, she's the woman who wrote the screenplay for the uh, Watchmen reboot over at HBO, which, which you and I both liked quite a bit. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's one of these things where, in the end, it's like we want this cameo. We want to set up this character, but we don't want to hack, uh, handcuff 
Basam and Stacy to the effect of, okay, we we decided he should wear a purple jumpsuit with a little beanie. And it's like, really? That that's that's what you're going to stick with? They wanted them to have as as much in as blank a canvas as possible for the introduction of Blade. Which, oh, by the way, we have a second cast member signed for this. Delroy Lindo is in negotiations, and at this point, I believe has wrapped on coming on board as part of the cast of the Blade reboot. So. Just to, to throw a little more speculation out there, I am told that Marvel at this point is looking at two possible release dates for its Blade reboot. Uh, one would be July 28th, 2023, and the other one would be November 3rd of that same year. So, Aaron, putting on your studio executive blazer for a moment, what's the smart play here? Is, is Blade a put-it-out toward the tail end of summer because we all want to see a, a you know, and, and we all know from the Wesley Snipes films kind of what a Blade film's going to be like, you know, some great action-adventure battling vampires. Nope, Halloween. Really? Okay. Halloween. I want blood and gore splashed everywhere like we've never seen in... Uh, do you remember in all the X-Men movies, whenever Wolverine would stab somebody with his shiny, pointy claws, mm-hmm. there was never any blood involved? Yeah. Until I think we got to Old Man Logan, I think they finally switched it up and, and did that. Mm-hmm. But um, Blade, with vampires, vampires suck blood. Mm-hmm. I want to see blood, lots and lots and lots of blood. And if you remember Blade 2, mm-hmm. with those really crazy... And wasn't uh, Guillermo del Toro... Did he direct that? Ooh. I'm going to have to look up and see who directed that. Okay. But they had these crazy uh, like crackhead vampires where their jaw split open. Oh, yeah. And then they would latch onto you like this. Oh, man, they were so scary. Like, I haven't been scared by a vampire in forever <laughs> until I saw Blade 2. And I went, whoa, what is that all about? Mm-hmm. That's extra creepy. And so we need the new Blade Mahershala Ali's blade to be able to top that Mm -hmm. because if you can't beat what has already come before you what are you doing the art of picking a release date for a film is always you know a a little tricky and 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 face it with you know the world has changed with you know how many of these corporations now have their own uh, subscription streaming service you know Universal's got Peacock and, and Disney obviously has Disney Plus Paramount and Paramount Plus and that sort of thing and have you been following the Universal once again is getting back into the classic monsters business where they, they announced that they are doing Renfield telling the Dracula story from, you know, his crazy little bug eating assistant. Uh, yeah, but you're skipping the headline here. Come on, talk about the cast. Well, no, that's it exactly. That, that you know, who did they hire to be Dracula? You know, go ahead. You know, you, you know, so say the name. <laughs> I can't. It's, I feel like I need to insert Abed here. Okay, all right. Doing... The Nicholas Cage bit, man! I'm a sexy cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and so if you are Kevin Feige and realize that, that Nicholas Cage's version of Dracula is coming, don't you want to give Blade, especially your reboot Blade, kind of a wide berth? Because for me, that's got to kind of blot out the sun, isn't it? Or 
When has Nicolas Cage blotted out anything? Oh, he couldn't blot paper. No, 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 don't say. Raising Arizona, face off. You know, that, that, okay, that, Raising he, Arizona, because it's a Coen Brothers movie. It was, it was. I'll, I'll give you that, but not because of him mm. specifically. Okay. And it, I don't even think that blotted out the sun when it came out. It just became a cult classic because it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, I do have a lot of Nicolas Cage films, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there are too many. You know, back in the day, he had he had a couple that that did really well, mm-hmm. but I don't think Blood Out the Sun ever occurred. I don't even think we have ever had a partial eclipse <laughs> from a Nicolas Cage movie. I, I can I can <laughs> I can introduce you to several executives of the Walt Disney Company who, to this day are sitting on, well, in fact, uh, there's a, a National Treasure 3 script that has since transformed into a National Treasure series uh, for Disney+. Plus. That And does it feature Nicolas Cage? Oh, it, it was supposed to, you know. And, and to, but, it, but it doesn't, it, is what, what it, is, it was supposed to means it currently doesn't. Weren't we just talking about Wilson Fisk? That's the world we live in, it, you know, Aaron. It's, it's just sort of like, I need you on set. For, for a day and and just to yeah. tell me how high the pile has to be for you to be there for that day well i mean there's obviously nicholas cage will do anything have you seen uh was it willie's wonderland or something like that oh or, now you see now, now to be careful here i have a daughter who every time a new version of five nights at freddy's came out kind of lost her mind and so yes i get willie's whatever was kind of a ripoff of that but, well, I mean, but he doesn't say a word through the whole movie, and it's like he has a stopwatch set to when he has to drink a beer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, there's stuff, obviously nothing is ever explained. It's just a crazy, stupid movie. Mm-hmm. But And then we watched Pig recently, mm-hmm. and uh, the question comes up, what won't Nicolas Cage say yes to? <laughs> I mean, he's a diverse actor, and he's, he's stretched the boundaries. Mm-hmm. But there is a breaking point. So anyway, when we found out that he was going to be playing Dracula, mm-hmm. the world stopped for a moment. And I really wonder mm-hmm. what version of Nicolas Cage are we going to get when it comes to this Dracula? Because we've, we've had good Cage. Mm-hmm. We've had crazy Cage. We've had weird Cage. I can't fathom what type of energy he's going to bring to this role. You are not wrong. You were not wrong, you know. That, but you know, the weird part of it is, is sometimes you enjoy an actor because you're going into something, and I have no idea what choices he's going to make. And this is America. What you have to understand about America is that we love to build people up, we love to tear them down, and then we love to see them make the comeback. And I would personally love it if you know Nicholas Cage, after yes, making some some rather odd choices over the past couple of years but you know face it you know Nicolas Cage has got house payments if he he made it back to the big table and got to be in better movies again that would make me happy 
I'm just wondering, is, is the Tom Cruise mummy thing still part of what they were trying to build? Oh. Another one that... <laughs> no, no, because, no. I mean, no, no. You know, in fact, really seriously, at some point in the future, we'll have to talk about this, but they, oh, honestly, they, the dark universe thing you were alluding to, which was, again, yeah. Universal's attempt at an MCU, and, you know, uh, oh, they built them a building, they decorated the building, they announced that full slate of movies and then you know when you open a mummy movie with tom cruise and it doesn't play when the audience doesn't show up and you have arguably the biggest box office star on the planet and people still won't go aaron they could not shut that thing down fast enough so is is this dracula gonna be the first attempted first step at another dark universe thing or are they just done with that idea entirely and they're just going to swing until something clicks because i thought that the invisible man was the new relaunching you point for that universe are correct that was seen as the first and universal has decided as opposed to an interconnected world like the mcu they are you know, you got to walk before you can run. And let's get a couple of these things out there and see what people respond to. In fact, it's so interesting you, you mentioned this because I just this week picked up there is a brand new hardcover coffee table book called the Universal Studios Monsters. It's out to celebrate the 90th anniversary of the launch of, of the Universal's Monsters. And this coupled with the fact, I don't know if you've been following at all what's going on with Epic Universe, the, the third theme park that Universal is, you know, in fact, it's back under construction again now after uh, the delay due to the pandemic. This is the thing they're building across from the Orange County Convention Center. Uh, but that's supposed to have its very own Universal Monsters Land. So they are definitely kicking the tires of getting back in this business. But, but at the same time, it's like you're doing this. You're doubling down on this franchise that, you know, you're uh, important parts of the studio's history. And you've hired Nicolas Cage to be Dracula. Wow. Roll those dice, baby. Roll those dice. No kidding. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, anyway, when, when Aaron and I get back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe stuff you want to chase down for the, uh, the Marvel fans on your Christmas list this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Aaron, we are now officially 16 days out from Christmas. Uh, the Marvel Spider-Man game is getting an update tomorrow, December 10th. 
they're going to put a couple of suits in the film that actually key off of uh, stuff that's in that upcoming John Watts movie. Whereas Crystal Dynamics with, with Marvel's Avengers, they've got a brand new four-player raid that they've just introduced. Uh, this was back on November 30th. Uh, where you go after the villain Claw, isn't isn't that the one from um, Black Panther? Yeah, he was uh, the character played by Andy Serkis that loses his arm, mm-hmm. and then he gets like a mechanical, I think it was a sonic device uh. that was attached to his arm or something. But uh, yeah, that was the character. Okay, because w- what was fascinating to me is, again, we've got this new raid that showed up on November 30th, but they also were talking about they're continuing to patch this game. Uh, for example, just early this week on December 6th, Patch 1.55 came out, and evidently this was the third update of that game in less than seven days, which I I have to assume is on the heels of of the Claw game. I remember very early on when you first acquired the Marvel's Avengers game and you were talking mm. about the the glitches, the bugs, and how they were, yeah. they were circling back in and, and fixing it. Have you been back to play it anytime recently? Or? No, I, th- I think I loaded it up one time just to see what kind of cosmetic differences there were and some other... Uh, it, it was basically but my game automatically had updated got it and i was like oh well let's just see what the two hour update was all about and then i opened it up and went that eh, looks all about the same and then i closed it mm. um okay. and a, a lot of it was like there were there were new chapters in the game mm-hmm. but my friends weren't online and i wasn't about to try and jump into an hour-long gaming session in that moment okay so that's what a lot of that was in a very similar sort of way jim mm-hmm. i had like halo just came out halo infinite uh yesterday Mm -hmm. and it came out so like i downloaded it and then uh, like i I could launch the game and then i went to where the campaign was and it says oh this isn't available yet Mm -hmm. you have to wait until 1 p.m 1 p.m is when we open up this particular gate and i went oh okay so i came back at 1 p.m and the gate was open so i clicked on play the campaign and it went would you like to download the campaign and i went what the hell did i download the 25 gigs of earlier today and then i had to check a little box and then download the campaign which is like another 25 gigs of data Mm -hmm. and uh eventually then after one o'clock after make downloading the game twice apparently uh, then I could launch it and actually play the game. But every game nowadays has got uh, a day one patch. Like as soon as it's released, they go, oh, by the way, it wasn't quite ready. Please put this in it before you try and play it. Otherwise, it'll break the universe. <sighs> and then from that day on, the, the moment the game is born until they shut off the servers and technically kill it, mm-hmm. Uh, there will be patches every couple of weeks, every couple of months. There will be a dedicated team working on fixing the broken stuff that uh, has existed from, from day one. But again, this is the universe we live in now. It's like you yeah. you announce a release date, and then you try to make it. Back in the old days when you uh, when we had the Atari, yeah. 
Well, you couldn't bake that into a cartridge and go, hey, just download a patch later. That didn't exist, right? It had to go onto the cartridge, mm. and uh, and it had to work. So, yeah, the game game system has changed a lot from when I was growing up because we just didn't have the ability to fix it after we... So it'd be kind of like, you know, going to the car dealership and going, well, this car's only got three tires. <laughs> but in six months... We're going to give you a free fourth tire, and it will be well worth it, my friend. After driving on three tires for six months, you'll be like, oh, my God, this is so much better. Uh, yeah, no <laughs> Those of us who, who still deal in this, this odd thing called paper, just this week I got my copy of Marvel by Design from the, the nice folks at Gestalten. I, well, I say nice folks. They're the ones who publish it. I'm the one who paid for this thing which a $60 coffee table book. But the, the thing of it is, is it does this amazing drill down into why Marvel has worked as, as long as it has. What it does, it's this amazing eye-opening book that talks about the sp specific visual language of the Marvel universe and, and how when you look at a Marvel comic book, you know whether it's the logos, the cover, the lettering, the layout, or the color palettes. There's a way that the Marvel stuff looks, and, and there's a reason that everybody else in the comic book industry kind of chased them for years or you know would try to lure away their talent. But an absolutely amazing book, which I'm assuming my daughter, the artist Alice, will steal at her earliest convenience for reference. Again, I want to say it's close to 350 pages, so it, it is, you know, the nice thing is you reading it, you get a workout. On the other hand, if you, you were looking for something lighter to give the Marvel fan on your, your holiday shopping list, I have just learned about, uh, if you go to the gift shop at Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, this is actually after you get off of the old Tower of Terror attraction and are making your way back out to the Avengers campus at California Adventure. When you walk to the gift shop now, remember the, the gimmick of it is is that it's the collector's building that supposedly landed. And you're, you, you're touring the Tavon collection as you make your way into the building. What they're now selling, Aaron, is a recreation of a Tavon capsule. And inside of it is a plush version of Howard the Duck. <laughs> of course there is. You know, and it's got to have Howard in there somewhere. You're going to make money off that duck somehow, even if you're not making a movie about him. You'll give him a cameo and you'll make a plush out of him. Well, Absolutely. But what I love about this is, again, now you got to remember Howard was introduced back in December of 1973. And uh, by the way, for those of you who care, it was in Adventures into Fear, issue number 19. And four years later, Disney's lawyers contact Marvel and just basically say that they believe that Howard is violating Disney's copyright on Donald Duck and that they insist, not only do they insist, but Disney artists will help supervise the redesign of Howard the Duck, which again, what I love about this is the way Disney decided to differentiate Howard from Donald is that the Disney approved redesign of Howard, Howard had to be wearing pants. So to jump ahead now, you know, what is this? Almost 35 years now, 45 years. And to now have Disney selling a Howard the Duck plush 
where Howard is not wearing any pants at all uh, in, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout gift shop. I, you know, that just, that warms my heart. Though, uh, I, I, that said, though, I, I just came across this amazing story about the Howard the Duck movie from 86. Do you know who was supposed to be the original voice of Howard the Duck? I have no clue as to, I mean, there's a whole world of options. Well, lay it on me. Who could it be? Robin Williams. And and, 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 and better yet, mm. he actually was on set for three days. Well, the way it was supposed to work is Robin was supposed to be live on set. And the guys who were working the animatronic beak for the the Howard the Duck puppet that, you know, was you know, often on a, a little person in that suit. But, uh, you know, and the notion was that we're going to get the brilliance of Robin Williams live on set. And then that's going to move this movie to a whole different level. And after three days, Robin basically said, you know, in fact, Chip Zen, the, the guy who came in and, and voiced Howard after the fact, shared this story recently with a variety. He said, what I was told was by the third day, Robin said, I can't do this. This is insane. I can't get the rhythm of this. I'm being confined. I'm being handcuffed in order to match the flapping duck's bill. And so he quits the movie, and, and Chip Zen uh, gets the role by default. Nowadays, if whenever we see Howard, that's Seth Green voicing uh, the character. Uh, James Gunn absolutely loves Howard the Duck. That's why he shoehorned him into the first uh, two galaxies. Uh, hey, 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 shoehorned him. He lovingly placed him there. I stand corrected. Okay. <laughs> you know, though what, what's interesting is that Seth Green actually tells the story about, you know, there was a fairly arduous process to, when they were trying to cast the, vo the new voice of, of Howard. And then eventually when they settled down to Seth, it's like, okay, can you come in? The CG animation we're doing on Howard is loose enough at this point that if you come in and read the line, we can then finesse the bill. So it, it mimics exactly what you're saying. But uh, he did it for the first Guardians. He's come back or came back for Guardians Volume 2. And if what I'm hearing is correct, uh, Howard will resurface yet again in Volume 3 and, and might even make a cameo in the holiday special. So uh, we have a, a, a bit more duck in our future. Now, mind you, could Howard appear in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? That it's It seems to lean very heavily into uh, the multiverse, so I guess anything is possible. Now, you talked at the top of the show, Aaron, about uh, how much you enjoyed the teaser. And, and in fact, you, you mentioned, I think, about what uh, Lord and Miller had said about each of the Spider-Verses having their own distinct look. Yeah. I think you were already talking about uh, the Oscar Isaacs version of, of Spider-Man. Uh, 2099. Yeah, yeah. That one seemed to be set in India. What did we think? so far of of the trailer uh or you know the 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 premise the setup so to speak i like when uh, uh oddly enough a film ends film a ends and film b picks up mm -hmm. like from that closing moment i i've always kind of liked that concept mm -hmm. and so just the idea of this trailer starting exactly where our last film left off because you feel like you didn't miss a thing mm -hmm. This trailer picks up from that that instant, that moment that we last left our hero. Mm -hmm. So 
it's a direct continuation to where when I uh, have them both on digital at home, mm -hmm. I can play from one movie A directly into movie B, and it's a seamless transition, and I love it. Mm -hmm. I love that so much, and I can't explain why. It's just a nerd thing in me that that likes that seamlessness there. I caution because from the animated world, they did these pretty much the exact same thing with The Incredibles and The Incredibles 2. The way The Incredibles 1 ended with, you know, I am the Molinator or whatever, you know, uh, kind of coming up out of the ground and then going straight into that action scene. Incredibles 2 is one of those movies that just for some reason doesn't work as well as the first film. I mean, it has some, some lovely, fun elements in it and some individually great scenes. Brad Bird actually talked about when we made Incredibles back in 2004. This was before, you know, the MCU had taken off. And, you know, the, it was a pretty green playing field if you were doing superheroes in, you know, animation. And now mm. there isn't a blade of grass left on that field that hasn't been stomped on three and four different times. So it was a little difficult to step back into that world and do, you know, what something that seemed new and fresh because so many uh, superhero films had come out previously and I right. I just worry that I mean don't get me wrong it, it seemed to be a charming scene with Gwen stepping back in from her universe into Miles's bedroom and Miles you know Miles childhood bedroom and him having to explain well I'm I'm grounded it already looks like a lot of fun and I really want it to work well they kind of have that benefit of of this open doorway that leads to any different universe that they choose storytelling wise True. that can get them out of a, a a moment's not working here. What do we do? We open the portal to a different dimension and get the hell out. Mm -hmm. There should never be an excuse for a dead moment because they've got this magical storytelling device of of hey, we're going across all the different dimensions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm looking forward to just seeing what the animation style differences are because. The first Into the Spider-Verse movie that we got was so, like, I want to say almost radically different mm -hmm. from any other animated movie. The way that the art style looks throughout that movie is rather bonkers. Mm -hmm. And so are they going to pick, like, a Kirby artist style and, and emulate that for a universe? Or are we going to get, like, more of a Todd McFarlane style universe like you know what what are the the tropes that they're going to grab onto to use as these differentiating styles i'm very very eager to see all of it i can't wait same thing here same thing here and well obviously speaking of things we're looking forward to we are now four episodes into hawkeye and yelena from black widow with elizabeth Pugh. by the way our, our listener Tiger Ray, I've been mispronouncing her name forever, so Pew, 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 Elizabeth Pew. Uh, sorry about that. And I, I know earlier on you had talked about your fear that we're just going to get a glorified cameo with this character. She's going to walk in, go hi, and walk out. Doesn't seem to be the case based on that rooftop battle. Well, that makes me kind of rethink how, how everything's going to play out because... Um, yeah, she, we've only got two episodes left, and we still haven't really seen much play from the swordsman character, no. which is the stepdad to Kate. Mm -hmm. um, 
do, are we going to get a Wilson Fisk? I mean, if we do, is it is it just going to be, is that going to be the one-shot cameo? Like, is he going to be the one that appears out of the shadows in the very last frame of the movie, and then we, or the frame of the the last episode, and then we cut to credits, and then we got to wait for what? For, for him to come back in, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I, I think that's a sincere concern, but but at the same time, if you think about how many characters at this point have talked about the man behind the man, you know, the, the you know who's really running the organization or who are we making money for? I mean, you know, the, the, the big guy, the, the, the fat man garage, there had been so much right. lead up to this point that I don't know if it would be disappointing if we don't get a big Wilson Fist scene with Vincent DeFario. Or, or if, on the other hand, it would really play beautifully to have him just sort of step out of the shadows in the, the final scene. I mean... I'm just remembering a lot of Twitter fans back in the old WandaVision days that kept going, Mephisto this episode, Mephisto this episode, Mephisto never showed up. And they're like, it, it was almost like they were manifesting their own disappointment. And I, I don't want to be getting my hopes up on a big, huge Wilson Fisk return mm. if it's just going to be a glimpse and then wait for X number of months for him to reappear in. And will it be a movie? Will it be another series? Will it be a Hawkeye thing? Will it be somewhere else? Will he show up in Spider-Man in just a couple of weeks? I get that. <laughs> I think that the key difference, though, is that Mephisto, you know, it was the fans who were talking like that, who were, you know, I mean, going, pouring over, you know, images in WandaVision and half lines, things that were inferred, you know, and they were filling in the gap. Whereas if we're being completely honest with Hawkeye, you know, it, it, we are in Chekhov country. You know, you don't introduce, you know, show a gun in Act One without it going off in Act Two. And the fact that they have spent so much time talking about the man behind all of this. It's just sort of like they, they are setting it up. And when he finally comes on the canvas, it's up to the, f the filmmakers of Hawkeye. What's the most effective way to do this? And, and also, did you watch Only Murders in this building? Only Murders in the building, yeah. Okay, yeah. remember how that ended, how effective that ending was, which I, I don't want to spoil for anybody, but... But yeah, I mean, you're ready for season two right there. You want to play next episode, and there is no next episode no, to play, right? That's it, exactly. So if that's, in fact, what the plan here is, whether... Always leave them wanting more, Jim. That's the golden rule of entertainment. Yeah. Always leave them wanting more. And if you were to have Wilson Fisk mm -hmm. be the last 10 seconds mm -hmm. of the Hawkeye series yeah. and then make us wait till whatever for him to reappear yes that would leave us definitely wanting more there we go there we go now you know question for you mm -hmm. do you have any bets that you would like to place on who is the owner of the watch that we're trying to oh. protect who's he's currently inside the tracksuit mafia mm -hmm. undercover yeah. Yeah. so who do you think could play russian i don't know i mean i'm first of all i'm just glad Again, as a, a classic constructionist, I love the fact that the watch that they teased the way they did has finally come back on the canvas. And more to the point, though, we have information about whose this was, the, the tease, uh, and mm. that, you know, this is a very powerful object. And with both questions dangling as we head into episodes five and six. So, again, that, for me, that's great storytelling. Uh, I also have to admit, I'm really enjoying this 
Jeremy Renner's take on Hawkeye this time around, where it's just mm-hmm. a lot of regret, whether it's for the stuff he did. I mean, you know, for the effect of, you know, that wonderful speech we gave about, you know, when you, you're in this business, it's all about managing loss. Yeah. And then they had that little bit of a montage of, of Hawkeye moments, mm-hmm. and you realize, oh, damn, he has gone through some things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was actually, you know, very good at just silently emoting loss mm-hmm. in those moments. And uh, it added some emotional weight to the character that, you know, normally he's, he, I don't want to say he's the joke mm-hmm. of the group, but, you know, he's, he has no superpowers outside of being good with the bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. And you think in a real world, what good is that really? Mm-hmm. How many times does that come into play? So th- the fact that he gets humanized mm-hmm. here for these moments was very worthwhile I, I believe i totally agree and it just for me what's going to be kind of intriguing is are we actually going to see is this the story where we get to see clint barton step away and effectively do the handoff to kate bishop because again we do kind of have a precedent for that with falcon and the winter soldier and our, how our last mm-hmm. title card was captain america and the winter soldier so right got two more episodes to come and in fact what's interesting for me is that if you remember the teasers of the trailers for this thing, they have been hyping basically a battle at Rockefeller Center that starts in the tree and then ends up on the ice. Jim's mic cuts out for a full minute here, so we're going to make an abrupt left turn from talking about Hawkeye to Jim suddenly closing the show. Got to warn you folks, <laughs> there's a lot of spinning plates here that have to line up before this happens, but but uh, Nancy and I are leaving for the city shortly. In fact, God help us, we're... We're headed to Christmas Con, Aaron. Uh, are, are you aware of Christmas Con? Christmas Con was a thing I used to do back when I was a, a little rap scallion. I would dress up as Santa and I'd have an empty <laughs> sack and I'd sneak into your house and I'd steal your presents. Ah. And then I would leave and uh, see when the, the police would end up, you know, catching me on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm getting ready to go drop these off at my family's house as a big surprise. Mm-hmm. And because I'm dressed as Santa Claus with a bag full of presents, it really doesn't seem that out of the ordinary. And uh, they let me go. Wow. And that was the Christmas con. Why? Is yours not the same? Uh, sadly, no. This is oh. this is a three-day-long affair that is being staged in Edison, New Jersey, that celebrates the Hallmark movies, which, by the way, this year, if you can believe it, between Lifetime, Hallmark, and I want to say Great American Country, which recently has gotten into the the Christmas movie thing, there have Mm. been 140 brand new Christmas TV movies made just for this holiday season. And all of them are on the Hallmark Channel. Well, it's it's spread around. It's all about the girl goes back home to visit her family for the holidays, and she's having trouble with her big city banker boyfriend, and she ends up running into her old beau that she used to pitch woo with out in the barn back when she was a young lady. And, well, they meet at the square dance and Christmas gathering, and she has a little too much eggnog that night. And a fire stirs in her heart that she hasn't felt in many years. Well, the coming this Tuesday on Hallmark Channel. <laughs> that's only about a third of them. I, you know, that's, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you know, that, that every so often the boy goes home. Okay, you yeah, know. That, yeah. that, anyway, but so this is what we're doing, and and while Nancy's doing that, I'm potentially sneaking off to the city and doing some stuff with Len that should make for a fun Disney dish. But we'll keep you posted on that one. In the meantime, Aaron, 
Where can folks find you on social media? If you're if you're looking for me, you can find me uh, juicing one orange and adding equal amounts of champagne to that juice, and find me having mimosas at Aza Prod. Oh. And uh, if you'd like to follow me, you, you must be carrying a tray uh, full of mimosas, and uh, we will be friends forever. Wow, yes. I really should have set that condition long ago. That sounds wonderful. Uh, well, Nancy would like me to remind you, if you're looking for, for us on social media, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. I'll tell you what, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple uh, podcast and rate and recommend the show that would be helpful and if you really 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 like what you heard it today if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe that will be great as well but for now folks thanks for listening and we'll be back soon <laughs>